all across America and around the world. This is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. And now, your host for today's program, Dale Throneberry. And welcome to Veterans Radio. My name is Dale Throneberry, CW2 type helicopter pilot in Vietnam in 1969. Welcome to our program. We're going to be talking a lot about music this afternoon. So uh, we've got representatives of Operation Song down in Nashville. And also we've got the representatives from the Warriors songs up in uh, Wisconsin. So I'm pretty excited about that. I think you'll be interested in hearing those songs. Both organizations take um, the veterans' uh, stories and turn them into songs. Um, however, the uh, warrior songs are, is going to be uh, Doug Bradley, and Doug is a, a writer as well as a, a songwriter, and he has written a book about um, the music of Vietnam. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that later on, about the music of Vietnam uh, 50 years later. So I'll make sure we you stick around for that. I think you'll find that most interesting. Uh, we also have an interview with a local organization. You know, we we talk about these different uh, veterans. They're not really charities, but these are operations that, you know, veterans get together and they're trying to, you know, save the history of whatever it happens to be. In this case, uh, this organization is called Warbirds of Glory. And the Warbirds, Warbirds of Glory is uh, located up in uh, New Hudson, South Lyon, Michigan. And they are uh, trying to rebuild a B-25 bomber that they discovered up in Alaska that had crashed and uh, had been sitting out in the, in the middle of nowhere for about 50 years until someone discovered it and they uh, have brought it back and they're trying to rebuild it. So that's going to be coming up in just a moment. Um, before we get into all of our stories, I want to make sure that we thank our sponsors, and that would be Legal Help for Veterans. Legal Help for Veterans specializes in veterans' disability claims, so give them a call at 800-693-4800. Uh, the National Veterans Business Development Council, better known as NVBDC, uh, they are the nation's leading third-party authority for certification of veteran-owned businesses. For more information, you can go to their website, that's nvbdc.org, or give them a call at 888-237-8433. The Charles S. Kettles VA Medical Center here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. For more information about the Charles Kettles VA Medical Center, go to va.gov slash Ann Arbor Healthcare. All right, we're going to get right into the program because we're packed in this this afternoon. So right now I want to go to the interview that I did the other day with Patrick Mihalik. And Patrick is the founder of Warbirds of Glory. And uh, we talked. So here we go. Here's Patrick and the Warbirds. We're here on Veterans Radio and we are talking with Patrick Mihalik, who is one of the founders of an organization called Warbirds of Glory. And uh, as we were talking just a little bit earlier, it's one of these gems of a veterans organization that is attempting to spread the word about veterans just in general. And what they are trying to do is to rebuild a B-25 bomber, which is kind of awesome when I think about it. So here we are right now, and I want you to introduce everybody to Patrick Mihalik. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. All right, so tell me a little bit more about this organization, Warbirds of Glory. How did you get started? So this actually started when I was a young child, and uh, for some reason, I always took a love, you know, growing up with my grandfather, 
who was a machinist mate during World War II, um, basically, you know, being in the shop and watching, you know, Discovery Channel's wings, for some reason, I took a love for a B-25, and I actually was drawing pictures of a twin-engine, twin-tailed bomber before I knew what even a B-25 was. And uh, so all through my, you know, teens, building plastic models of B-25s and building RC airplanes of B-25s, I started collecting bits and pieces here and there. And then finally, when I was in college at Western Michigan University to get my bachelor's in aviation maintenance technology, I spent a lot of time researching wrecks um, basically around the world. And uh, one wreck that really caught my interest was this B-25 that was uh, basically uh, never made it over for combat, and uh, but it was basically used here in the States as a bomber trainer. And then in the late uh, 50s, it was sold war surplus to a company out of Missoula, Montana called Johnson Flying Service that modified it for fire suppression bombing. And it served in, in Montana for all the way in the early 60s before it was moved up to Alaska. And basically June 27th of 1969, uh, it suffered a, a double engine failure on takeoff due to fuel contamination. And the pilot, Herman McGallagher, successfully landed it on this tiny sandbar in the middle of the Tananal River. And basically they came out there and, and at the time in the 60s, you could still get a B-25 airframe, pretty reasonable. So they went out there, pulled the instruments, pulled the engines off of it, and basically abandoned the airframe. And uh, that just, you know, sparked so much interest that after college, um, you know, sadly, you know, all over the years, people went out there and vandalized it. They shot at it. They cut parts off of it for souvenirs, leaving primarily an intact B-25 center section and a bunch of other pieces that were sadly cut. And uh, so in 2012, there was another B-25 that uh same kind of situation was sold war surplus, but it actually went over the Royal Canadian Air Force and was used over there um, by them and then for photo mapping before coming back to the States. And it changed hands multiple times before it ended up on a pole above a water park down in Florida. Oh, geez. And uh, that airplane actually went through like three hurricanes and suffered so much bad corrosion, it was deemed unsafe. And they ended up taking it down, and then it ended up winding up uh, through a court-ordered auction being sold as parts. And uh, so when I found out about that, they had a good Ford fuselage, and I actually found the, this ad for this thing on eBay of all places. So I literally called the guy and explained to him what I wanted to do, that I wanted to start a nonprofit. I wanted to rebuild the B-25 and uh, you know see if he could help. And basically, he gave me, after about the seventh day calling him, he gave me two weeks to come up with the money. So I sold my car. I basically sold everything I had that wasn't of true value to me to be able to buy that, that front section of airplanes. So I went and down there and, uh, lo and behold, on the way down there, um, my friend and I, we stopped at the Kalamazoo Air Zoo. And, uh, at the time I didn't have much of drawings. I had the manuals, but we needed to make sure that the, this Ford section of the B-25 would fit on the trailer we had. And as we were leaving the gift shop, there was the stack of old used magazines and the very top magazine was a 1992 Warbirds International magazine. And on that cover, it said the mystery of the sandbar Mitchell. And I looked at my friend, I said, this is insane. I don't know what is. Oh my! And uh, so we got that magazine. We got down to Oklahoma and, you know, lo and behold, there's this forward fuselage of a B-25 and I'm just, you know, beyond excited because I knew this was the start of the mission to be able to, to bring this airplane back to life. And then at that point in time, the, the gentleman that had the parts 
um, surprised me with not only the forward fuselage, but the rear fuselage was there and there was a bunch of other stuff. So now I knew I had a really good shot at trying to get the ownership and salvage rights of what was left up there in Alaska. So then at that point in time, I wrote a letter to the uh, Thor's Ruds, who was the last registered owner of the B-25. And uh, sadly, Edgar had since passed. But uh, the, the airplane was still registered, but it was still listed with the FAA, but it was actually um, expired registration, so it was never deregistered. And uh, so telling my story was compelling enough to the Thor's Ruds that they came back and said that they believe that that would be their dad's wish. Cause over the years, people tried getting it for parts or just wanted the, the data plate and registration. And, uh, they basically ended up selling me the, the, the airplane for a dollar. So at that point in time, now we had a valid FAA serial number data plate. We had, you know, basically the ownership of that airplane. But now the big problem was, is we had to get the actual salvage rights because technically it was considered abandoned in the state of Alaska. So at that point in time, we started working with, because where the airplane was on this tiny sandbar, it was actually in um, Fort Wainwright's military property. By It's actually south, south of their gunnery range. So work with the base commander. I mean, they were more than happy for us to come out there and retrieve the airplane. But now at this point in time, come to find out a little tiny sandbar actually is a deeded piece of land and it was in turmoil who actually owned that piece of land because it got turned over to the state of Alaska. So at that point in time, we had to, you know, not only work with uh, the base commander, the Bureau of Land Management, we had to now work with the DNR in the state of Alaska, the state's historical preservation office to go through all, everything, you know, f- fish and game. We had to worry about migratory birds, all the stuff. And then in six months time, um, not only do we navigate through all the hoops, get the the, the actual um, permits from the state of Alaska, salvage rights in the state of Alaska, we then had to go ahead and we had to raise the money. And at the time, you know, I was doing this on, once again, what we call the ramen noodle budget, right. where, you know, it was basically I, I was funding everything with, with my, <laughs> the money from selling my car and everything else. And uh, we ended up uh, at the time, uh, uh, crowdfunding was kind of a new new thing. And there was a thing called Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And it was basically to raise money for upcoming, you know, projects and, and new businesses and that kind of stuff. And we submitted, um, basically saying what we wanted to do. Kickstarter didn't know what to do because they never had this, anything like this before. And they went ahead and they let it run. And in about 30 days, we raised nearly $30,000, um, from people all around the world that believed in my story and what we wanted to do. Um, then we went ahead, we, we formed a recovery team. And, uh, you know, we ended up raising money from the recovery team itself because we got, you know, state of Alaska, I mean, uh, uh, Alaskan Airlines, uh, University of Alaska Fairbanks, they all worked with us to, you know, get the cost down because everybody on the team originally was going to go out and buy their own airline tickets, buy their own housing, all the stuff. And, you know, people were going to spend eight, seven to $8,000 doing it. And we're like, well, for 5000 you can come through us directly. And then that helped raise the funds necessary to bring the airplane home. And uh, basically on, uh, Basically, July, it was July 14th, of, actually, yeah, see, July 5th of uh, 2013 is when we actually airlifted, and that's a whole other story there, airlifted the center section um, of the B-25 off the sandbar. All the other parts were removed by riverboat, and then uh, by the 14th of July, it was back here in Michigan, and we were able to start actually working on the aircraft. Well, I, I, you know, this is an amazing story, and I, I want our listeners to know that they can go to the website warburgsofglory.org, uh, and all of this is documented with pictures and stories and YouTubes and so on and so forth. And it it's just shows the passion that you 
that you obviously have for aviation and for the history of the whole thing. Um, Absolutely. And there's actually a, a television series called The Restores. Now, it aired on PBS here in the States. It was in the History Channel everybody else, uh, everywhere else around the world. But episode two actually is the recovery of our airplane. Okay. And I know you can, uh, you know, we do sell the, uh, the DVD and Blu-ray of the series through our museum's web store. And I think on, Am- I'm pretty sure on Amazon they have it on there where you can, you know, buy, I think for $2.99, buy that episode. But it's, it's you know, it's a remarkable journey of us getting this thing. And one of the things, too, is is Logan Kucherik at the time, he was our youngest recovery member. He was 15 years old. And Logan was basically, I consider, student number one that started coming to the hangar when he was 13 and uh, started working on airplanes with us. And then eventually, uh, you know, became a big part of the museum because Logan's, you know, he was a part of a history club. And through that history club, you know, he was telling, you know, a lot of the other students that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm being a part of this. I'm help working on this airplane. And today now, we've had over 45 kids come in here that actually are working on restoring the B-25 flying condition. And they're learning and appreciating the history, what the symbol of this airplane represents. And they're learning everything from, you know, general aviation, I mean, the aviation maintenance, but most importantly, you know, shop discipline, etiquette, uh, CAD cam, CNC operation, metal forming, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of the students that come through end up either going into the armed services or they end up going into a field of aviation, either engineering or maintenance. And some of them even gone off to be uh, 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 airline pilots. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is just an awesome story. Awesome story, Patrick. And uh, I really want us, uh, our audience to know that this is available. Is um and it is up. It's in Brighton, and it's actually it's, we, we we are now in New Hudson, Michigan. So oh, okay, uh, yeah. So what happened? I mean, basically, when we started this, it was in Brighton. We were based at uh, the Brighton Airport. And it was a small little residential airport. It was actually the airport I grew up on. I actually live on, still live on the airport. But, uh, you know, we had a, a dear friend on the airport that basically opened his hangar home to us. And it was a 40 by 60 hangar that we operated out for 10 years. Because once again, you know, we, we were on a ramen noodle budget. You know, most nonprofits yes. have a benefactor that really starts and fund them. And we didn't have that. It was basically we had a dream. We had the desire. And we started doing it. But the problem that we ran into being at the Brighton Airport was we were so limited on what we can do because of it being residential from the township. So we couldn't have big fundraising events. We couldn't have, you know, a lot of times we'd, you know, write for grants. But as soon as they would see that, I mean, we are, we, you know, we're a 501c3, but as soon as they would see that we're connected, that our, our business address is a home address, you know, a lot of times the stuff would get put aside and it would kind of, you know, diminish what we were doing with the students and veterans and everything else. And then uh, finally, um, I mean, we literally survived by selling T-shirts and going to air shows and letting people hear a story and, uh, you know, 100 percent donated, you know, donations funded. And uh, finally, we were able the last 10 years to, to build enough repertoire with the, the public through the air show community to be able to get enough supporters and backers to help with us saving the money. And finally, uh, the next county over from us, Oakland County. Um, in New Hudson, it's actually the Oakland Southwest Airport, which is a commercial airport. And, you know, another one of these, we, it was like, you know, a guiding light yeah, along, right. along the way with everything that has got us where we're at. And uh, there was a gentleman that uh, that had a Cessna 172 that needed an instrument panel made for it. And he approached the museum and said, hey, would, you, would the students be interested in, in CNC cutting the panel for me out? And we said, sure, absolutely, for a donation. And and uh, basically, we went to go visit his airplane, which happened to be at this Oakland Southwest Airport. And lo and behold, they had basically this massive hangar that was vacant for 15 years. And I mean, it's 
you know, 65 by 90 with a, another, you know, pretty much 40 by 90, 8,500 square foot, um, of, of space. And, uh, once the, uh, once the township, um, you know, learned about really what we're doing, they, they jumped on board and wanted to get us here and did everything they could. And basically we moved the museum from Brighton to New Hudson here, um, August of last year. And we finally, for the last two months now are actually back up and running, working on the airplane now. Oh, that, that, that's great, Patrick. Cause this is, this is such an exciting story and there's so much more that's involved with it that unfortunately we don't have time to go into today, but I really encourage our audience to go to their website, Warbird, warbirdsofglory.org. The whole thing is there and make a donation, you know, and, and follow them around. You get to see where they go. They've got a newsletter that goes out. They have a, a little store where you can buy T-shirts and everything else, anything that they can do, use to fund their organization. I think it's just a great opportunity for all of us here in southeast Michigan, and that's that's it. This is one of those gems that is out there. And um, I know we're going to be talking it up with the people that we know that, you know, like to give grants out to, to veterans organizations and see what we can do to help you out. Hey, I greatly appreciate, you know, I'd love to come back on and talk some more because there's a whole nother story about um, how we are actually restoring this airplane to represent and honor a crew that was lost over Italy. So I would love to come back and talk about that because it's a really, you know, neat story. And last but not least, um, May 13th is going to be our uh, flying open house here at the uh, at the airport. So uh, we actually are going to be having the hangar open to the public where you can come in and see the B-25 and, and you meet some of the students and volunteers and even learn about how you can get involved with volunteering and, uh, you know, helping with the project. And, uh, you know, we even need, uh, you know, docents to be able to give tours and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of uh, ways you can kind of help and, uh you know, as you mentioned about donation, but other things to become a museum member. It's thirty-five dollars a year for the basic membership, and that does get you our museum newsletter and uh, updates, you know, on events and that kind of stuff. We we have like member events where it's members only and that kind of stuff. So awesome, awesome. Well, great. Thank you very much, Patrick Mihalik, founder hey. founder of the Warbirds of Glory. And uh, yeah, let's get you back on here in May just before your big event, and we'll promote it. Sounds fantastic. All right, thank you very much, Patrick. Hey, thank you. Yeah, I'm still here. Just got to turn on my microphone. There we go. All right. That was Patrick Mihalik from the warbirdsofglory.org. Well, you want to talk about dedication. <laughs> this is, wait till you see the pictures. You've got to go to the website and see this thing. It's, it's like it's started off as a big pile of rusty parts and so forth. And, um, you know, they've got the, the nose all, all pretty much all done and they're working on the tail and then they're going to kind of connect the two. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's mind boggling to me that they, that they're trying to put this together because in their donation uh, page, they're looking for people to donate like a dime for a rivet or, you know, for screws or nuts and bolts and so forth. So uh, yeah, they, they need your help. And this is a really big project that they're um that they're attempting to do out there at the Oakland airport. And so I, I encourage you, all the people here around down here in southeast Michigan, you know, you can take a ride out there. It's it's just off of Pontiac Trail and I think Grand River. And um they're gonna have this big open house coming up in May. So it's May 13th. So I would encourage you to go out. They need your assistance. It's a, it's a worthwhile cause because there aren't that many of these B25s left in the world. And these were, you know, one of those 
workhorses of World War II. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm waiting for a phone call to come in, but it hasn't come in yet. So we are going to take a real quick break and, and play our Medal of Honor uh, right now. And then I'll give Derek the phone number and see if we can reach our next guest. So stick around. You're listening to Veterans Radio. We'll be right back. The Medal of Honor is the highest award for valor in combat given a member of the Armed Forces of the United States. There have been over 3,400 recipients of the nation's highest award. This is one of them. Major Bernard Fisher's wingman was shot down and the North Vietnamese were closing in on him. Fisher radioed to the other aircraft, I'm going in. Details after this. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at one 800 693 4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. A Special Forces camp in Oshal Valley was on the verge of being overrun. Fisher and five other aircraft flew in at 300 feet to deliver their ordnance. Then they turned and went in for a strafing run when his wingman, Major Jump Myers, was hit. Myers crash-landed on the camp's airstrip and hid in the utter brush. Strafing around Myers, Fisher called for a helicopter rescue. When he heard the choppers were at least a half hour away, Fisher decided to go in. His first try was aborted when he was going too fast to stop. On his second try, Fisher brought his A-1E to a stop, turned it around, and taxied to where Myers was hiding. Myers rushed out, climbed onto the wing, and Fisher pulled him into the cockpit. Then Fisher pushed forward on the throttle and started his takeoff run. With heavy fire from both sides, he managed to get enough airspeed to take off. Upon returning to play coup, his ground crew counted 19 holes in his aircraft. President Lyndon Johnson presented him the Medal of Honor on January 19, 1967. The Medal of Honor series is a production of Veterans Radio. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Our veterans put everything on the line to protect our freedom. We may never be able to repay them for their sacrifice, but we can show them just how much we appreciate all they've done. You can help by simply sharing your time, lending a warm smile, a supportive hand, or a sympathetic ear to someone who needs it. Everyone can do something to make veterans know just how much we appreciate their service. Please visit www.volunteer.va.gov. What will you do? back here on veterans radio and uh that's a song from a long long time ago uh (laughs) in a a country far far away um joining me right now on the line is uh dominic uh sansone and dominic has a song that he had written with operation song remember we we had talked with them numerous times over the last couple of years because what they're doing it's a great program they take veteran stories and they turn them into songs so as i mentioned on the line is dominic so dominic welcome to veterans radio thanks for having me i appreciate it thank you it's my pleasure hey hey listen um tell me how you got involved with operation song so i got involved with operation song through my my workplace uh travelers the insurance company and um they uh i'm with the they have a group called Military Veterans and Advocates Network where people join. It's like a diversity group at most places. And um, they they sent out a call for volunteers, and me and some of my buddies decided to give it a shot. And uh, that's that's how we got there. 
So, so was this a retreat? I, I read something about it being a travel insurance retreat where you met with the Operation Song people and they kind of paired you up with a songwriter and off you went. Yeah, they used to do the in-person retreats, but then uh, after COVID, they, they started doing them with Zoom. Okay. So we uh, we got to do it over Zoom, but retreat enough. <laughs> and obviously, so, uh, retreat's not really in my my uh, my phrase book anyway, so... <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> kind of a, not the right term to use, I would think, for, for military yeah. people. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, tell us a little bit about your background as far as your military service was concerned. So I joined the military in between my junior and senior year of high school. And um, uh, then I was enlisted. I was a paratrooper at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, uh, doing airborne artillery, just loving it, having a great time. And then uh, decided to get out because I, I knew everything and had a break in service and then found a, found a recruiter um, and was talking to me about how I needed to go to college and get that going for, you know, being a productive adult. And uh, 21 years later, I retired as a uh, lieutenant colonel in the United States Army. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Medically retired from uh, the, uh, the injury sustained in combat in Afghanistan. I think we've just been joined by your cohort. Yeah, it says I'm muted. Well, that's, <laughs> he has yep. to turn his microphone. I think that's, not, that's Pete, it looks like. Uh, Pete Salas, who was the songwriter with you. So they're they're working on unmuting his microphone. All this technology drives us all crazy. So, <laughs> sure. so <laughs> when, were you, when were you in the service? Uh, I was in, um, I got adjusted data service because of my break from uh, 1996 to uh 2016 okay all right so as i said joining us in, in our in our zoom room right now is the writer of the song that's pete salas pete welcome to veterans radio hey pete i'm not sure if you can hear me right now <laughs> either way pete's pretty awesome it doesn't look like you can hear me uh, <laughs> all right so um let's talk about your song then the, the, yep. the song is the song is is it's awesome. It's it's called fifteen thirteen fifty three dot oh five. What what does that mean? So um, that was the exact time frame, the exact time and date on well not date um, on April fifteenth when um, a uh, a Hakani fighter cell drove a Toyota Hilux pickup truck into into my wall with five hundred pounds of explosives and started a uh, an ambush and. Uh, the, the firefight was pretty intense, um, burned down most of the fob in Afghanistan. And uh, when it was all said and done, I didn't lose any of my people. And uh, the, the bad guys, not so much. But that, that refers to the time. It was 1353 and five seconds exactly when the detonation went off. Oh, okay. Um, and, I, and this song has been tied in with the, um, the, the changing of the guard at Arlington. Oh, oh really? That connection there. I didn't. I didn't know about that. Well, I when <laughs> I always like to surprise my guests. Um, <laughs> well, when I went to the Operation Song <laughs> site and I clicked on 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 your song, it came up um, with the changing of the of the of the uh, the changing of the guard at, at Arlington, which is obviously not related at all to this thing. Why don't we? Um, I'll tell you what. Why don't we, 
why don't we tell me a little bit about the song now? Because we know that this is a result of of this incident that occurred. And uh, let's play the song and then we can come back and talk about it a little bit more. And maybe we can get uh, Pete all set up so he can talk to us. All righty. Cool. Yeah. Okay, Derek, uh, cue it up and here we go. up that morning to a sunrise cow call four tangos blew up a homemade wall a v-bid bomb started a long firefight 15 purple hearts and 55 soldiers survived the bullets flying fires light Eighteen-year-olds shooting M4 guns. No forgetting, no regretting. The innocence I lost from that fight we won. That's the minute I learned the meaning of sacrifice. Thirteen fifty-three oh five. Signed up to fight to get a combat patch But I'd be okay if I had to give it back They say war is hell, but really it's much worse Cause there's no happy ending in that chapter and verse When there's bullets flying, fires light That's the minute I learned the meaning of sacrifice. Thirteen fifty-three oh five. I'm still working through it all with meds and therapy. How can a fifteen-minute Firefight lasts a lifetime for me. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm surviving, and I'll never quit until the mission's done. No forgetting, no regretting the innocence I lost. From that fight we won That's the minute I learned the meaning of sacrifice 1353.05 Yeah Forever burned in my mind 1353.05 
wow, that is a great song. That is really a great song. Um, I'm just wondering if if uh, Pete can hear Pete. Can you hear us? He's just watching. The <laughs> one of the problems with Zoom sometimes. Well, okay. Um, so tell me about working with with Pete then. You know, how how did that that come together? You said it was all done on Zoom. That's that's even more amazing to me. Yeah, we spent we spent several hours together on Zoom, and um, <clears throat> I mean, I didn't I didn't know anything about the process or really what Operation Song did, but uh, getting to know Pete, it was it was an amazing insight because because Pete actually writes songs for you know Nashville artists, and um, it was fascinating just to see how a song is made and the creative process and the the just it was really eye opening. It was a it was a fascinating experience not only, you know, talking about my military experience that day, but just seeing how, you know, the, the, the song industry, how they, how they make songs. It was fascinating. I, th- I think it would be kind of cool. I know, I know I've talked with Terry Gould about this and I, I kind of yeah. asked him if we could get together at some point and maybe write a, a new theme for veterans radio. I think it would be great to have you guys involved with that. Just a, I, I'm just so pleased with with what the work that you are all doing down there in Nashville, and have this opportunity to to get to, you know this event. Obviously, that you went through was very traumatic for you and and your your comrades, and um, to have it in song, I, I think it was probably pretty cathartic cathartic for you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. It was when I shared it with all my army buddies. Um, you know, it was it was basically just everybody started crying and uh you know it's kind of the macho goes out the door at that point and it's you know you the song helps you kind of get to that exhale moment where you realize that you know you don't have to put up that facade anymore i think i think that's a really important point that you just brought up you know so many of us our experiences are you know just buried in the back of our heads and uh, we you know we don't want to let them out yeah, no, absolutely. Can, yeah. <laughs> and even with Operation Song, it was, um, you know, it's not like it's not a normal thing to for a bunch of army guys just to go, hey, let's let's do this mm-hmm. thing with this Operation Song. Cause, you know, we normally don't seek that kind of attention, but you know, just just willing to actually say, you know what, let's just see what this is about, mm-hmm. and and you know, be willing to be vulnerable and 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 talk about stuff is a huge huge thing that that just we're really bad at and need to get better. Well, I, I think organizations like Operation Song are helping many, many uh, veterans, men and women, and family members. Um, you bet. It sounds like. Yeah, and, and the fact that Travelers was willing to, you know, to to make this happen and to put it together, and you know, it's, it's a Fortune 500 company. They don't have to do this, so that was. It just really went a lot to just see how much care factor there is, and and how much you know my and, and other companies do it too. But obviously, I work for Travelers, but. Um, just that they cared enough to do something like this and, and, and to let us have this experience. I, I shared feedback with the CEO that this should be required for, for all veterans and travelers and hopefully they, uh, and they're going to continue to support it as well, which is great. I think that's a, that's a, as you mentioned, that's a great thing. And there are many, many corporations out there. I think that we're not aware of that do have, I don't know if you want to call them special programs for veterans. I don't think that's not the term I'm looking for. Right. Yeah. But they've but like got, travelers, you know, they've got, travelers, to your point, travelers gets it. They understand what a veteran is. They understand that, you know, even though we may not be career software engineers or, 
or whatever the, the, the field is, is that we bring tremendous amounts of leadership, and a lot of a lot of companies don't teach that anymore. Um, whereas the military, it's 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 education for everything in leadership. So um, you know, a lot of companies sometimes lose 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 track of that, and thankfully, travelers doesn't. Well, that's that's true. I mean, we all know that, that you know the things that we did learn in the military that we really could transfer over to the corporate life. Um, you know, I think the yeah, songs like this and. As you mentioned, what Travelers is doing really is really helping that out and just getting yeah. the word out that, you know, here here are some really good employees. You know, you, you, might right. want to, you, know, you may want to look at those. Yeah, it, it, was, it, it really helped with the transition as well, because when you leave that brotherhood of the military service and that regimented lifestyle, um, you know, there's there's a lot of companies out there we see in the news that, you know, in the Army, I always took care of my soldiers because I knew someday that they would do that for me and sacrifice themselves because I would sacrifice myself, whereas modern business, they sacrifice other people so they can survive. But Travelers isn't that company, and it's, it's just nice to be a part of it. Well, I, I, again, I think it's really great. I didn't know Pete jumped in there a second. Did you, Pete, did you have a comment you wanted to make about putting this together? Mm-hmm. I know what he would tell you is that this was the he's worked with Grammy award winning artists and I was the best person he ever worked with, and uh, he looks forward to working with me for the rest of his career and and he just he can't believe what he's been missing. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Wow, and I don't hear any objections, so I guess that's true. So, okay, well, you know, let, let's let's talk a little bit. My 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 final guest for the program. We're having a little problem finding out where he is. And, there he is. Right I'm there. Here. Hey. Hey. How are you? Good there. Good to see you. It's good to good be to back. See you too. Good to see you back on. Okay. I I'm I'm sorry. You know with these Zoom things, I only recognize voices sometimes on the radio program and Zoom. I'm looking right at the guy. Um <laughs> He probably kept wondering what why do you keep calling me Pete? Uh this is the joy of live radio, folks. So disregard all the fa- frantic messages that I've been sending you <laughs> by text and so forth. Okay. But I, I, I did want to kind of bring you on and, and, um, you know, while I've got, um, Dominic on there is your organization does a very similar program with the warrior songs. Well, and it's, uh, you know, for some guys it's song, you know, we've had things like guitars for vets. Um, there's different, you know, nature I and mean, whatever it takes, I think for, for soldiers, veterans to be able to, um, sort of examine and appreciate. And as you said, um, uh, you know, have a cathartic moment about an experience is, is not, is not just important for them and the guys that went through it for the rest of us to try and begin to understand. And music is one of those ways that we're able to reach people and maybe get them to listen and understand. Um, and, you know, again, uh, a great song. I mean, an, an incredible story, um, a powerful one. And, boy, the more ears we can get to that, um, I think the better off we all are to be able to understand and appreciate, you know, what service is like um, and how it never leaves you. I mean, that's the point, I think, that we all say, those of us who've been in um, – it's it's never gone. It's never that far away. So if it uh, if it takes a lyric 
to be able for somebody else to appreciate that. Um, I think that's as good as we can get. I I, I couldn't agree more. Dominic, I, uh, feel free to jump in here because right now we're going to be, I'm going to kind of transfer over here and do a crossfade into talking with Doug Bradley. And, and, and um, Doug is uh, a writer. He served in Vietnam. He was at, uh, he was in Long Bin, um, a little bit after I was. Um, oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't meet him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. There were only 50,000 people there, evidently. <laughs> um, I didn't realize that, you know, our, I was, I flew out of an area called Plantation uh, Airfield, which was, I can't remember now. I think it was up in a northeast or west corner of the whole thing over by the 90th replacement. Yep. And so, but you wrote an article that I recently that I found really interesting. As, as many of us know, just last week was, uh, you know, Vietnam Veterans uh, Day. Isn't that nice? We finally got a day. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but the, but the point is that you were talking about 50 ways to leave a quagmire. And I thought that was a very clever because some of the songs that we would listen to at the time. And when Doug was on the program before, we were talking about his book of, you know, we got to get out of this place and the music of Vietnam. How, how did, did this just pop into your mind one day and you say, oh, this sounds reasonable? You know, it's funny. It does. As Dale, as we were saying, you know, it's sort of in a moment you can get back a long bit. You can hear maybe it's a helicopter or it's a voice or maybe it's a smell or a song and you're right there. And, you know, I've been, as you know, um, you know, it took a long time for there to be a national Vietnam veterans day. Um, and now we're 50 years out from when the last soldiers left Vietnam guys that came after you and me. Um, so yeah, it's just, there, it was just a prompt. You know, I was thinking about that day. I was thinking about, you know, guys I've known that I served with that are not with us anymore and whether or not, you know, it was PTSD or Agent Orange or who know, you know, who knows what and how challenging that can be. And so, yeah, I always, yeah, for me, it's the music I go back to. You're again, fortunate being in the rear, having Armed Forces Radio, you know, the cover bands and the EM clubs, the, some of the groups that came, Bob Hope. You know, we were lucky and fortunate to have music with us to sort of, you know, either unite us or soothe us or relax us, you know, guys in the field didn't. Um, and so we had that benefit. And so for me, it's always music, you know, um, that brings me back and takes me there. And as, as you and I have talked about before, frankly, the best music ever. I mean, it was the best of the, you know, rock and the British invasion. It was the best of Motown and R&B and it was the best of country. And they all played together and they, a lot of them were on each other's albums, you know? I mean, so, yeah. um, yeah, it was, it was, thank goodness for the music because, you know, for guys like me and the, some of the guys I served with and I came home with, it's sort of what's kept us going. That's true. You know, I, I always tell people about, you know, as, as a, as a pilot, you know, we helicopter pilots when we weren't working, you know, company wide missions, we went off on our own every, everywhere. It seemed like, and the, the uh, inside of our, one of our radios was was an ADF, what they call an automatic direction finder, <laughs> and <laughs> sort of a you know an early uh, GPS thing. Yeah. And so we would tune in to to the Saigon um, Armed Forces radio and fly. In my in our case, because we were all in three core area, 
And we could fly everywhere and somebody would say, well, where are you? Well, I'm on the 35 degree radial off of Saigon. You know, what do you want to know? And, uh, yeah, and that was always playing in the back of our mind and obviously not real loud, but it was, it was always just going. And I'm sure that the door gunners and crew chiefs were the ones that were really grooving in the back while we were, you know, quote, tending to business up front. Yeah, you're not alone with that reflection. And it's so funny because everybody says, now, wait a minute, you know, like, you know, somebody would else would talk about, um, you know, how you get on the uh, other radio bands because there were secured radio frequencies only for military communication. And sometimes uh, a pilot or, you know, a, a, you know, a, a guy in the field or one of us, somebody would get on that band and, you know, they, they play a song or there'd be music. And it's like, how can that happen? Well, you know, it happened and it was everywhere. That would, that would be on guard. Yes. <laughs> I can, you, that just triggered a memory. I can remember somebody playing, you know, I forget what the song was exactly, but you know, all of a sudden on guard, we could hear this song and we're just going, uh-oh, <laughs> somebody's going to be in trouble for this one. But uh, you had to make sure you turned off the radios and, you know, there was a lot of tinkering with dials and so forth as you were talking from AM to FM to UHF to everything else that you could imagine yeah. was was going on at the time. Don't want to make it sound like a picnic, but, you know, it's like you did what you did to get by. And if sometimes, you know, you know, flipping a switch or, you know, you weren't putting anybody at risk, but somebody could hear, you know, um, you know, Sky Pilot or Detroit City or, you know, uh, these boots are made for walking, you know, it would it would give them a little lift, you know, and they it made me feel a little bit better. Um, sort of like what Dominic's been. I mean, it's like this got him through and the guys are with him. Other people are going to hear this and listen and maybe begin to understand and appreciate. And that's sort of what music helps us do. It does. And, and I, 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 as I mentioned so many times, the idea of what, what you're doing up in, in Wisconsin and what they're doing down in Nashville is it's, it's so helpful. I mean, not only does it help the whoever, you know, the, 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 who's given them the story and then the, you know, these songwriters who are professionals and I'll come in and help them put it together and then they record it or, you know, somebody else will record it. And I mean, it's not just for the veteran. It's, it's for the families. It's for the, you know, the grandkids and so forth. They'll find out, you know, what grandma or grandpa really went through. And then we've, you know, some of these songs are so powerful when they talk about, um, you know, not only the battles that some of these, these men and women t- today especially are in, um, but some of the, the, the battles that the families are going through because their son or daughter didn't come home. And, Brian, you know, we talked about how, in our era, you know, we all had a shared soundtrack, whether you say, stayed or whether you served, whether you participated or whether you protested, we'll, we'll all listen to the same music. And now, and, and a lot of the music that veterans themselves put together, and we've talked about this week, you and I did a whole show about this years ago um, on, you know, vet musicians. And a lot of that, you know, Sarge Lincecum and, um, um, and you know, uh, and, and others uh, of their ilk, um, Martin and Holiday. You know, you yeah. could never hear, you would never hear that music. Now, the great thing is that songs like this, that Dominic put together, it's accessible. All music is accessible to everybody. 
So somebody's going to find more than one. Somebody's going to find that song in the old days. If you didn't know who Martin Halliday were, and maybe weren't in Texas when they were playing at some dive, you would never know their music, you know, time to lay it down, you know? Um, but the great thing is now we can get that song that we just heard and others can listen to it. Like you said, families, People have no connection. People have lots of connections. So that's the beauty now, at least in terms of the accessibility of songs like this, is that um, we can all get it. It's it's there for all of us. I, I think it, I think it's 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 wonderful. And and I know that I just you know I downloaded um, Dominic's song from their website uh, for you know for a small donation. I was able to get the whole album that they've put out there, and you know it's it is high quality music. And, you know, it's, I hate to say it, it's music that we could understand. Uh, you know, I, I, every once in a while I listen to, to, to music of today and I'm going, I feel like I must be, you know, channeling my father or something, you know, because I'm going, what in the world is this? I don't understand it. I can't understand the lyrics and so forth. But these lyrics that are coming from your group, uh, from the Warrior Songs and from the Operation Song are, are very deeply emotional and, 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 um, you know, you can you can feel the pain, you can feel the joy, and uh, it's it's mostly most of the songs actually have some sort of a country leaning to them. Sort of, I guess you know, because that's country music has always been great storytelling music, anyway. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, it was when you look back early, like on the early Vietnam soundtrack, um, any references or relation to war, not about politics, not about division, but just about service and sacrifice was country music. You know, Dear Uncle Sam and Distant Drums by Jim Reed. I mean, it's just, you know, they knew it, they got it because it was part of how they lived and who they were. And if you look at enlistments in the military over the course of time, you're going to find more people from those parts of the country than you are maybe from, you know, Philadelphia or Pittsburgh where I was born and went to high school. You know, it's just, it's, it's just part of the nature of service. And um, so, yeah, I think, um, you know, it's 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 always been there. And it has always again, politics notwithstanding, it's been about what it takes to serve, what the sacrifice is, what you know, what you're um, what you're participating in, who you are, where you're from. Um, And that's indelible with the music. And now, of course, it's become so ubiquitous. I mean. I was looking at a thing the other day about the Everly Brothers and their sound and how critical they were to rock and roll. I mean, these they were country singers. They, you know, they, they grew up singing with their parents on country radio shows down in Texas when they were growing up. But that music is our music and it belongs to all of us and it sort of helped to transform the landscape. And you have all that going on now, back and forth, I think. Yeah, yeah we do. It's, um, it's, it's a great healer. Certainly is, is a great healer. I, I, I wanted to just kind of go back to your to your article, which was called 50 Ways to Leave a Quagmire." Of uh, how we were <laughs> fifty years ago, our we were everybody was trying to figure out how to get out of Vietnam, and um, so you you have a couple of quotes here, which I think are really interesting. One was, uh, you know, quoted by McNamara. You know, it says, "Call off the attack." Uh, let's see. Walt Rostow says it, it ain't my, it ain't their fault. Uh, LBJ says no need for you to stay, so we stayed, and then we stayed, and then we stayed some more. Um, 
you know, I don't know. Everybody came in with their secret plans to get us out. And um, it was a quagmire. And, 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 you know, there was no easy way to get out of that situation. No. And it challenged, like I said in the article, five presidents. You know, I mean, Truman started off by supporting the French, you know, and giving them some air support and some, you know, some military support. And it's like nobody wanted to lose anything. You know, we're Americans. We, you know, we had just saved the world in, in many ways with the help of the allies. And so if communism was what we needed to stop, we were going to, you know, we couldn't look, we could not, not stop it. We couldn't lose. And what we didn't under, you know, it's just the things we didn't understand about Vietnam in terms of, you know, what the Civil War was about and who was doing what with whom and what had happened with the French and the Japanese and the Chinese before us. And that's really part of the sad thing, because um, by the time we knew that, we still didn't get out because we didn't want to look like the president that had lost a war. Right. Yeah. So we had 58,000 names on a wall somewhere. And and I was, you know, I was thinking about that uh, just this morning. I'm going, that's 58,000 names. That's probably, you know, that's 116 possible Relative, you know, how many relatives are involved in that number, and how many potential children, grandchildren, everything else that are gone for that, and and that's what war does, and it's 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 so dis- disturbing and so disgusting, you know. There 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 never is a good war. I'm, I'm with you on that, brother, and uh, you know, I mean, I even remember talking to some World War II vets, and it's like, you know, I mean, they knew they saved the world, but I mean. It, it was, t- it never leaves them. I mean, it, it was, it was, it's always difficult and it, it's never ends. You know, they say in war, there are no unwounded soldiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it is, it is always there. I mean, if it wasn't always there, there wouldn't be all these organizations out there. There wouldn't be people like Operation Song or, you know, Warriors songs. Um, people, it, it, it just seems like it takes your whole life to work your way th- through it. It's not that you don't accept it. It's just that it was there and it's, it's a major part of your life um, every day. And then you have all of these days that come up and to remind you of it, you know, whether it's Vietnam Veterans Day or, or Memorial Day or Veterans Day or this one or that one. And, you know, every time you, you go past the flag almost, it seems like it, it, you think of somebody. Yep. No, that's right. You're absolutely. And I think, again, that's what music can do for us. It, I mean, sure, they can be painful reminders, but there can also be, the, like you said, the healing ones. And if we can, if we can heal some more hearts, um, help bring some people home that way, um, soothe their families, you know, support their efforts. Um, I, you know, that's what we need to do. That's, you know, why do we do this? We put people in harm's way for some reason, you know, and, you know, we, we need to take care of them and take care of, uh, and, and support them when they get back home. And I think music is a great way for us to communicate that, to understand it, appreciate it. And also maybe, like I said, to heal a person or two. Well, Doug Bradley, thank you very much for being on the program again today. And uh, let us know when you've got another book out there. And we'd love to have you back on the program. I encourage you. Thank you very much. 
I encourage everybody to go to Operation Song or go to, go to the um, Warrior Songs also. Check out what's, what's available to you. Um, so we listen to those today. Next week is, is Easter, and we're going to have a special program on chaplains next week. It'll be uh, recorded since it is Easter Day uh, or Easter Sunday. And um, so I want to thank everybody for listening to Veterans Radio. Until next week, this is Dale Thornberry. You are dismissed.